This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What is up? You were watching another episode of the Lax Factor podcast. We have our first week of NCAA lacrosse tournament action done, son, for Division One. So we are going to get into all of those games. There were eight games played, four on Saturday, four on Sunday. We're going to cover them all. Before I get into it, if you want to continue to support us, as always, be sure to like and subscribe and hit the notification bell so that you're pinged in your pocket when we put out new videos. Also, if you want to support us like Big Big, you can go to laxfactor.com com and you can get yourself some swag we have t-shirts we have both our lax factor logo t-shirts and other t-shirts that aren't related to our logo at all are just cool lacrosse t-shirts we also have the rampage lacrosse shorts that you can see underneath these so be sure to go to laxfactor.com and get your swag i digress let us get into this the lax factor podcast First game of the day, the very first game that I got wrong, it broke my heart. Loyola beat up on Syracuse physically throughout the entire second half. Pat Spencer dominated Nick Mellon in the matchup between between one of the best on-ball defenders in the country and, and, and one of the best offensive players in the country. Spencer bullied Mellon all over the lacrosse field. It wasn't Spencer's three goals and six assists wasn't just Syracuse doing a good job of bottling up his goal scoring and then playing help defense and letting him hit guys. He beat Mellon to the cage a lot, mostly by just being physical. When the help did come, he was able to shrug that help off and find open guys. Spencer dominated this game from start to finish, and Mellon came out the worst. And now listen, hats off to Mellon for even trying. He's just a much smaller guy, and I, I think it, it speaks to the the lack of depth on Syracuse's defense that they've kind of been able to cover up at times this year, partly because Mellon was usually able to take the other team's best player out of it. And that was just not the case. And Syracuse had no adjustment for it throughout the game. They just, Spencer just quietly kept beating them up and beating them up. Uh, one of my keys to Loyola winning was Jacob Stover had to play huge. Jacob Stover won the goalie battle. He goes for 17 saves. Porter only had 13 saves versus 15 goals against. So Porter's under 50%. Stover was above. Of 50%. That's a huge difference. Bailey Savio won 10 of 13 faceoffs over the course of the second half. That was also huge in Loyola's victory, obviously. And that was part of the Loyola just playing more physical. The first half, I don't think anyone would argue it looked like Syracuse was the better team. They were the more physical team. They came out firing on all cylinders. They were hot. They were flying all over the field, picking up ground balls, hitting guys. Second half, that was Loyola's job, and Loyola did it admirably. So Savio was huge. Um, you know, Loyola looks great. They're on to face the winner of UMBC and Penn State, and uh, we will get into that game here in a little bit. But I, I, listen, I, I, I've i already picked through. You guys already know who I've picked to come out of this bracket. I've picked Penn State to come out of this bracket, and the chances are that they will. But I am not going to count Loyola out. Pat Spencer is a freak of nature. So if anybody can will their team to victory over a tough team like like Penn State, Pat Spencer is that guy and Savio's not a complete chump at the faceoff X either. So he's going to get murked by TD Erlen, but if he can just win 25-35% of those faceoffs, Penn State's defense is not 
probably going to be capable of stopping Spencer much better than Syracuse's did. So I like their chances moving forward. We move on to the next game. We had Yale and Georgetown, and TD Erlin is a freak. Kid wins 31 of 35 faceoffs. That number's a little bit little bit off because even though he won 31 of the 35 draws, he did turn the ball over on a handful after he won the draw, giving the ball back to uh, Georgetown. And that was partly the key uh, in Georgetown kind of battling back over the course of the third quarter to keep things reasonable because they were on pace to get routed. And, and, and Erland, beyond his 31 face-off wins, he has 29 ground balls. Obviously, you're going to have that when you win 31 face-offs and an assist on the day also. Matt Brandau won the Matt, the battle of the Brandau brothers. Uh, brothers, uh, uh, The other Brandau brother is the goalie for Georgetown. Matt Brandau, a standout for Yale. Matt Brandau goes for four goals and one assist. His brother, Chris Brandau, he made 14 saves for Georgetown, so he did all he could in cage. Penn State, they just they just have – or uh, Yale, uh, they, they have snipers all over the field. Um, Bacaro, holy crap. Bacaro for Georgetown, eight goals, one assist. That kid can play ball. Kid's got a shot. He can dodge. He can do everything. Yale was able to slow Georgetown down early. One of the keys to, to Yale's victory, I had said, was they needed to be able to slow down Georgetown's trans- transition. They did that early on. What allowed Georgetown to start chipping back in was Erlin not shoring up the faceoffs after gaining possession initially, and then Georgetown turning some saves uh, into fast breaks, turning some defensive stops into fast breaks, and just generally getting a few more possessions and getting comfortable playing without the ball. So, yeah, Yale was pretty much playing make it take it lacrosse, but Georgetown got enough possessions, and that was what I said. If anyone could hang with Yale with with uh, while losing the faceoff battle that badly, it was Georgetown, and they did um, in in this game. But but they go not now Yale. They have to go on to face the winner of Penn Army, and we're going to talk about that game next, and we'll we'll get into why uh, this next matchup is hugely important for TD Erlin and his legacy this season. We get into the next game, though. Like I said, Penn and Army. Another great game. And a key to this game, I said, was A.J. Barreto had to stand on his head for Army in order to have a chance against Penn, and he did not do that. Gallagher for for Penn, he wins 22. He wins 22 of 25 faceoffs. That is actually insane. Matthias scores four goals and an assist for Penn. Uh, their, their offense is very high-powered, but partly because Kyle Gallagher wins so many faceoffs. Nick Turn. He was one of the keys for Army. He goes for zero points for the day. I think he had six shots. He did nothing all day. So now Yale, they're on to face Penn. And Penn Penn has TD Erlen's kryptonite on their roster, and that is uh, in the form of Gallagher. Gallagher, the first time facing Yale this year, 14 of 29, and Penn beat Yale 13-12 in overtime. I think Handley scored that game winner. The second meeting in the Ivy League Finals, 15 of 26 at the faceoff X against TD Erlen Gallagher was, and Penn won that game 12-11 in the Ivy League Finals. Now, I've already gone through and I picked my bracket here. So ever, a lot, anyone who saw the last podcast, you know I picked Yale to beat Penn in this game. Partly what, the reason why I picked Yale to, to beat Penn in this game is because, A, Erlen's still there. He's still every game you've got to say he's more than likely going to win the, the bulk of these draws. But the other big part is how hard is it to beat a team three times? in the same season. I don't care how good you are. These are evenly matched teams, both games being decided by a goal. How difficult is it to beat the same team three times, twice in tournament play? They beat them in the Ivy Finals. Are they going to be able to beat them now in the NCAA quarterfinals? I am not sure. But the key to that game, 100% is going to be Kyle Gallagher. If Gallagher can win that battle at the faceoff X, then then it's 
anybody's ball game at that point, as has already been proven by, by Penn winning twice. So even though I picked Yale, don't take that as me thinking that, that Yale is the superior team and that I'm on the TD bandwagon or whatever it might be. I'm picking Yale simply because, man, it's hard to beat a team three times. When I was in high school, we had lost to Johnson City twice in the same season during the regular season. We came back and we beat them in the sectional semifinals. So from even from my own experience, it's, it's, it is really tough to beat a team that third time and uh, we'll see how it goes for Penn. The next game up that night, this was the nightcap on Saturday, was UVA against Robert Morris, and it was just too much UVA from the beginning. UVA's uh, big cats, Matt Moore, two goals, seven assists. Kraus, three and three. Herring, six goals. Conrad, five goals. Laviano and Aiken, I think each had two. So there's not a whole lot to go into in this game. I was surprised that Robert Morris was able to keep things respectable. You know, Virginia would get a a lead. Robert Morris would score a couple. I think it was 4-2 at one point, 5-2 at one point. Uh, So Robert Morris, every time Yale would go on a run, or Yale, every time UVA would go on a run, Robert Morris would score a goal or two to chip back in. So the final score it was respectable. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a completely ridiculous 19 to 10 Keeley. He looked good for Robert Morris, four goals. But like I said, Alex road was, was, good enough in cage. I guess when you're beating somebody up, you know, comes up with six saves, just doesn't let them keep the door open and, and take that, take that any further. So hats off to Robert Morris though. Great season. They can't be, they have to be pleased with the way that this turned out in the end. Obviously you want to win this game, but 19 to 10 to a UVA team that is as hot as anybody right now, that is very respectable. And, and Robert Morris is going to be able to take this into recruiting this off season and, and take that type of confidence into next season. The next one, a blood, the first bloodbath of the weekend. I mean, not that the UVA game was all that close, but Penn State put it on UMBC. Only 7-4 at the end of the first quarter, and I was actually surprised by that. I thought that it would be 7-1, 8-1 by the end of the first quarter. Then they jump out to an 8-2 lead. So 7-4 at the end of the first, they jump out to an 8-2 lead uh, quickly into the second, and they take a 15-6 halftime lead, uh, uh, take a 15-6 lead into halftime. That was more like what I expected. I was surprised they gave up six goals, but it's going to happen. O'Keefe was huge in the first half. He goes for four goals and an assist in the first half. Jack Kelly had six goals in the first half, four in the second quarter. So Penn State, they are on to face Loyola. Uh, As we just go down the list, though, Dylan Folds, who is looking for a girlfriend while he's in graduate school, uh, is one thing that I heard. Uh, so, hey, if anyone can help Dylan Folds find a girlfriend, let, let's see what we can do for this kid. He's four and three on the day. Amet three and five on the day. Spillane one and two. I had gone through the list of Yale uh, players and saying these these eight guys are the reason that Yale's going to win this game by a lot. And uh, it it proved true here. So O'Keefe six and one on the day. Kelly six and one. It was just a who's who uh, for Penn State of, you know, who's going to rip UMBC up. And all of them did for the most part. Uh, Frawley, Ryan Frawley, he goes for six goals for UMBC. So that was respectable. And uh, no, barely any saves. UMBC on the day made seven saves uh, against 25 goals against. So that's a rough one as well. Penn State goes on to face Loyola. And like I said, Pat Spencer, Penn State's not going to be able to bottle up Pat Spencer. Pat Spencer is going to put up at least six goals in this game. Um it, you know, if this is a tough one because if we end up with Savio being able to win some faceoffs against Arseri, then Loyola can can keep this interesting. If Arseri dominates at the faceoff X, 
it's going to go Penn State's way, and it might go Penn State's way by five, six goals. But if they can make, you know, turn some of those faceoffs into 50 50 ground balls and win some of those 50 50 ground balls and play physical against Penn State, which is what they did against Syracuse, then we could, it could be interesting. So I'm not going to count Loyola out, but holy crap. Penn State is just ridiculous. They have so many weapons, and Loyola, I just don't think, has enough weapons on D to stop them, but we shall see. I, I hate making predictions. I got to do it because it's interesting, and, and people will give me crap if I don't try to draw some kind of line in the sand. But So even though I, I picked Penn State to come out of this bracket, and I believe that's going to be true, Loyola, there are some things that Loyola can do to try to win this game and keep it close come the end, and a lot of that's going to come down to Pat Spencer trashing on the Penn State defense. We move on. We get into Towson, Maryland, and this was a hell of a game. Towson, actually, I thought Towson was going to make me wrong on this one. Towson had a 7-3 lead at one point, little, uh, a little over halfway through the second quarter. It, it, Maryland battled back, and it went back and forth. And Maryland held a 12-10 lead late in the game prior to Towson rattling off three straight in, in just under um, three minutes. And uh, Brendan Sunday scored with a minute 50 left to actually give Towson the lead. And at that point, I was like, ugh. This is the ball game. Then Towson, they get the ball. Towson is running the clock out. They the, the shot clock, there was about a 23, 24 second differential between the shot clock and the game clock. So instead of coming out and doubling and risking giving up that, that nail in the coffin, that goal to give Towson a two-goal lead, Maryland decided to play with the shot clock. They forced Towson into a bad Brendan Sunday shot towards the end. And then they Towson backs it up, but just throws the ball into the corner. So Maryland has the ball with about 25, 23 seconds left or so. They drive it up the field. The ball gets to Kevin uh, Kyle Long, who drives it down the right alley, stops, waits for one cutter to come through, and then sees Bernhardt coming through as a second cutter, hits Bernhardt, and Bernhardt sticks the game-tying goal with 3.7 seconds left on the clock. It was freaking incredible. So we go into overtime. Towson actually wins the faceoff. Uh, to start out overtime and turn the ball over. Ball goes right down to Maryland. And then once again, Kyle Long, he assisted the game tying goal. He assisted the game winning goal to Lewis Dubik. Um, and boom, Maryland is on to face. Who do, they, who do they face? They face UVA, I believe, here uh, next. And, that, and and once again, you already know who I picked. I, I get I get this one wrong to a degree because I did pick Maryland, but then as the bracket shakes out further down uh, into the final four, I screwed it up a little bit, but I got that one right. Maryland did come back. They did win. Jared Bernhardt shows people why he made the Twarton finalist list, scoring a huge goal with 3.7 seconds left. Maryland played tough D when they had to. They won face-offs. Eh, they didn't really win face-offs when they had to, but they, they did a good enough job getting defensive stops to give their offense a chance, and that was incredible. We move on to Duke and Richmond. I had thought this game might be close. I honestly didn't think it was going to be this close. Richmond, they led early. Duke battled back to take a 6-4 lead by the end of the half, and that was kind of what I expected. Richmond, I think, went up uh, at one point uh, 2-1. I think they were up maybe 4-2 at one point also prior to Duke rattling off a bunch of goals to take a 7-4 lead into the half. Um, Richmond scores three unanswered, two by Tate Gallagher. They tie end up tying it up 7-7. Uh, in the third quarter, and that's when Duke rattles off five unanswered. So, you know, Richmond does a great job to get it tied, but then Duke scores five unanswered. They have a 12-7 lead, and then it's just a matter of Rich of holding Richmond off, which they did. Richmond did score goals, and I think they they got to within a goal with under a minute, under two minutes left. But 
too little, too late. Duke was able to hold them off. They get the win, and they go on to face the winner of Hopkins and Notre Dame. I will say, though, in this game, the, the story of the game was uh, Nakai Montgomery. He goes for three goals and two assists. He just continues to evolve as a player. Uh, had a really nice feed on a man-up play down low. Um, Brad Smith, two goals, three assists. Carpenter, 2-0. and Robertson, 2-0. and Duke was just too much for Richmond in the end. Too much depth. Turner Upgren played a, a good enough in cage with eight saves. So, great game. Duke is on to face the winner of Hopkins and Notre Dame. Which brings us to the last game of the night, the last game of the weekend, Notre Dame against Johns Hopkins. We're going to see the return of Ryder frickin' Garnsey in this game, if you can believe that. And this game did not go at all as I expected. With with how hot Johns Hopkins had been, I expected it to be a little bit tighter. Notre Dame rode the excitement of having Garnsey back. And, and Garnsey didn't factor much early as uh, Notre Dame ends up uh, going on a 6-1 run. Or, or no, Notre Dame was... Up 6-1 by the end of the first quarter is what it was. And the usual suspects, it was uh, Gleason, it was uh, um, Costabil, uh, Morin. A lot of those guys were the ones that scored those early goals. Ryder Garnsey scored his first goal of the season uh, in his first game of the season with 5.07 left in the second quarter, making it 8-2 Notre Dame. Uh, which was just great to see. Uh, I believe it was a man-up goal. Skip pass came from down low on the right side, opposite side of the field, and Garnsey just nailed the corner on that. Costabile and Garnsey, they each go 3-1 and one on the day. Notre Dame had four guys with at least four points, which was good for Notre Dame. Morrison Meyer, he goes 4-0. and oh. Quinn McCann, 1-3. and three. Charles Leonard was one of the keys I had said, the face-off battle here between uh, uh, Leonard and... Uh, um, I always draw a blank on who Hop- who Hopkins has facing off. But anyway, Leonard wins 17 to 29. So that was important to Notre Dame's uh, just getting enough possessions to, to stave the Hopkins offense off. Epstein continued to be Hopkins' best player. He goes three goals, three assists. He had an incredible freshman year. In my opinion, he is the freshman of the year. It's between him and Sam Handley, I think. Uh, Handley is just a beast of a player also. So I, you know, I could give it to Handley if they go a little bit further, but Epstein had a ridiculous freshman campaign for Hopkins. And for uh, Notre Dame, it's on to Duke. Uh, they've split during the regular season. Um, they lost, and then they beat Duke in the ACC semis. So it, this one, throw it up in the air. It's a toss-up. It can go either way. I like Notre Dame's momentum. I like that Notre Dame now has Garnsey back, uh, um, which which looks like it is actually going to help their offense. He's been practicing with the team all year, so Garnsey could be key. This could be kind of like a Syracuse run where they bring C- Cody Jamison in uh, for the playoffs as well, and then they end up winning the national championship that year. So Notre Dame, they look great. Hopkins, not so much. But either way, I, I was really hoping that Petro was going to get himself at least to the quarterfinals, but back to, to Memorial Day weekend, and that's that's a really odd thing to hear a Syracuse fan say, but it was the truth. Quick little D3 tidbit here because I found this interesting. RIT and Union in the uh, Division Three tournament. RIT beat Union 12-9, first time these teams met. They beat them 14-6 in their conference tournament finals, I believe it was. RIT had a 10-4 lead off a Cam Isaac goal uh, halfway through the third quarter or so. And then Union just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. They get within a goal. They win the faceoff, I believe, uh, after they scored that goal. And Chandler Allen for RIT forced a turnover with seven seconds left to seal the deal for RIT. So they move on to 
play in the, what is it? It's going to be the fourth round of the NCAA. I think it's actually their quarterfinal round. Amherst got a win over Wesleyan, uh, 16-13. Williams beat St. John Fisher, 17-12. I was really hoping for uh, Fisher to get that win. Cabrini beat Springfield. Denison beat Rhodes. Tufts smoked Stevenson. York beat Washington and Lee by two. That was a great game. And Salisbury uh, beat up on Lynchburg, 18-10. to 10. So that's the teams that are going to shore out the quarterfinal round for the NCAA Division Three tournament. Lots of great action, though, coming up here in this upcoming week at the Division One level. We'll do, we're going to do a, a handful of podcasts between now and uh, next Monday. So be sure to check out, as always, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell if you want to be notified when we put new videos out. If you really want to support the channel, get yourself a T-shirt. Go to laxfactor.com. As always, you can head over to laxfactor.com forward slash lamp if you want to get yourself a big league lighting lacrosse helmet lamp turn that lacrosse helmet that you're not using anymore especially now that the seasons are getting over for people turn that helmet into a sweet desk accessory or something for your bedroom whatever again thank you for watching we'll put out a couple more videos here during the course of this week enjoy oh hold on i almost forgot uh i I wish i would have said this in the beginning i didn't we've got a new jersey up some of you puritans might not like it uh the whole idea here is america fuck yeah Uh, So I am down with that message. This is from tribelacrosse.com. So as we've been doing this, all you got to do, make a useful and semi, you know, entertaining comment. And by entertaining, I just mean make it have something to do with the games. Comment down below. You'll get put in uh, to win this. We'll actually uh, uh, give you chances to win this throughout the week. Every time you comment on a new video, that gets you a new entry. And it's only for the podcast video. So it's only for the videos that I tell you, hey, comment down below to get entered to win this. That's from tribelacrosse.com. Again, everybody, thank you for watching. I will see you a little bit later.